Hello and welcome to the Matt Belair podcast. As an explorer of the mind and world, author and coach, I have spent a lifetime learning how to push my limits and achieve my highest potential. My mission is to bring you the most inspiring, conscious, and empowering teachers, leaders, and thinkers on the planet. To bring you stories, lessons, and messages that will help you master your mind, body, and spirit. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. What's going on, wonderful citizens of planet Earth? I hope that wherever you are, you're doing incredible. Sending you a massive hug through the airwaves. We have another fantastic episode for you today. We have the man, John Chavez, on. And uh, we've entitled this one, How to Create Your Own DMT and Exploring Mystical and Supernormal Abilities. We dive deep in this episode and discuss a lot of different things. We talk about John's spiritual awakening, uh, the work of Dennis McKenna, Graham Hancock, uh, Dr. Robert Decker and the uh, the Body Electric book. We talk about endowaska, so producing DMT within yourself um, and introducing a DMT experience. So there's different ways you can actually do that without ayahuasca, without DMT. Um, we talk about the importance of understanding the gut brain, uh, a simple protocol for ingre- increasing the endowaska system, uh, the juice fast, Wim Hof method, breathing, uh, other other uh, technologies that you can use. So we dive into a lot of topics in this one. I know that you're going to enjoy it. If you like it, please take a screenshot, uh, tag me at Matt Belair, share it. Let me know where you're listening. I love uh, seeing you guys sharing that from around the world. So I appreciate the support. Um, You can leave a review in iTunes. That really helps. Uh, You could toss a buck in the bucket on Patreon if you want to support as well. That is uh, really helpful. And I want to thank all my patrons for doing that. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Matt Belair. It uh, really does help. But the most important thing that you can do is one kind act today for somebody. If you want to support the episode and what it's all about, uh, just do one kind act for someone today. If not, do the kindness challenge. Do three kind acts a day for a week and you'll probably get a universal wink. Something weird will happen just for you, for the universe to let you know that you're on the right track, that it takes action um, to create create change. If we want to create change, if we want to be... spiritual people if we want to be kind people if we want to be a good example it'll it'll take action so yeah so check that out i want to thank my uh my partner my sponsor the himalaya podcast app they are a podcast app that is designed and curated for the podcast listener in mind so they are free easy to use a great way to explore new episodes great way to connect with community um, find similar podcasts more information in the fields you're looking into so definitely check them out and when you're over there give the master mind body and spirit show a follow and you can find them over on the app store at h i m a l a y a so that is about it if you guys are interested in coaching speaking training i'm definitely doing more of that in 2019 so hit me up you can either make an inquiry at mattbelair.com forward slash coaching or matt at zen athlete if you want me to speak do some training for your staff um it is pretty various it, it kind of 
moves around the spectrum from peak performance, consciousness, spirituality, you know, law of attraction, that kind of thing from practical marketing, business strategy, um, you know, and uh, vision architecture. So if you're interested in some of those things you want to inquire, just go to madadzenathlete.com and it will happily help you out. So let's get into it. But before we do, let's come into a powerful state of peace and coherence. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing, taking a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath. Just set the intention to come to peace and coherence. Let that breath out slowly with all the cares and all the worries of the day. Just coming to a state of peace and personal empowerment. All right. Now we're ready to get into this incredible episode with John Chavez. Today's guest is an author, an independent researcher who has focused on biochemical and bioelectrical properties of mystical experiences and supernormal abilities. He is the author of two books titled Questions for the Lion Tamer 1 and Questions for the Lion Tamer 2. His main interest is spurring modern discussions regarding esoteric subjects and opening the gateway towards spirituality by utilizing data generated by scientific discovery. Welcome to the show, John Chavez. Thanks so much for having me, Matt. Um, it's a blessing to be here. We were introduced by my friend, Dr. Edith Ubuntu-Chan, who's another explorer and a researcher and, and just a fabulous person overall. So it's good that you know, we connected and we're able to talk about some things that interest us. Yeah, 100%. You know, um, that's who connected us, Dr. Ethan. She's incredible. I had such amazing feedback and everyone just loved her energy and her authenticity. And um, I took a look at, she has a podcast too. And I said, hey, who's on your show that you feel um, should have their message shared and who I should speak to? And you were one of those suggestions. I got to look at some of your work. It's very similar in what I'm uh, researching and exploring. And I'm really excited because you're looking at, you know, biochemical and scientific data and, you know, bringing things, those things together. And that's something I could definitely always use more information on. So why don't you just give us a little bit of background on, on who you are, what you've been up to and uh, what you're doing. Sure. Um, you know, I was uh, born and raised in the Bay area, uh, family kind of raised me Catholic Christian, that type of stuff. I never really gravitated towards religion or spirituality because, you know, according to your education, even starting from second grade up until high school, none of that stuff was really integrated in a real way. So, you know, I never really had interest in any of these topics that I'm, I guess, delving into now in depth. Uh, you know, what happened is that when I was, I was having a lot of health problems in my mid twenties and, and early thirties. And, um, the only way I could describe it is that I had a spiritual experience in 2013 that really opened my eyes to what the human potential and the possibilities are. And it kind of just led me on my path to really ask these questions as to um, maybe some of the things that from the past, like some of the things from, from religious texts like the Bible or even Buddhism were actually true. Things that I always felt that were not true, like hands-on healing, um, telepathy, things of that nature that would always be presented as supernatural. And we see it in movies and things of that nature, but we never really, there's nowhere that you can go in your regular education from, from kindergarten to high school to even college that really kind of puts those seeds in your mind to really explore those things in, in a intellectual way, reading books and things of that nature. So, you know, thank God for the internet. That's all I have to say, because in 2013, 
without the internet, I would be, I would have been so lost. I would have been probably labeled as a completely crazy person. And, um, I just, I, I felt bad thinking about people that had to go through these spiritual awakenings and spiritual experiences, uh, prior to the internet, because they, it would be almost impossible as to where they should go look for information and try to put the pieces together to where it makes sense, you know? So like, you know, in, in terms of my spiritual experience, you want me to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. So basically I was having a lot of health problems, like I, I mentioned before, and uh, I induced a, like a significant purge in my body, like a GI tract purge. And basically what had happened was at the moment of the purge, what I'm referring to is I induced a lot of bowel movements. And um, as like my bowels were clearing out, it took about three or four hours. I started to feel like an electric surge uh, from my tailbone up to the top of my head and even outside. I, I felt like an electric electrical buzz that it was undeniable. And um, I started to feel a different sensation emotionally as well. I started to feel like a deep euphoria uh, during this time. It was almost like a life force started to build up inside me. And um, something that I hadn't felt for, for maybe throughout my entire life. And what happened was, uh, let, me, let, let me walk you through this. So after the purge, about it was 90, 90 to 100 bowel movements where I just started to really kind of just release a lot of tension and excess gunk in my gut. And I didn't know anything about the gut brain at that point. So it was all really new to me as to the importance of the gut function and, and how it might pertain to even some of these mystical experiences and emotions. So as, as the purge increased and my electrical buzz started to increase, um, I started to notice uh, different sensations in myself when interacting with the regular world in this, just from that first day. So, for example, um, when I would touch uh, metallic objects, uh, they would start to get hot, like really quick within three or four seconds. And it was a very strange sensation because it's nothing that I had ever experienced before in my life. Um, when I hopped in the shower, uh, cold water didn't feel cold, which was really strange to me because I had never experienced that before. You know, my nervous system was pretty average at the point. You know, when something was hot, it would feel hot. When something was cold, you know, it, I would brace it. But when I entered the shower that day, right after the purge, it felt as though I had control over my body temperature. When, when the cold shower went on, I, my intent seemed to, I guess, block that cold feeling. And um, it just led me to feel like, wow, it feels like my intent is having some sort of effect on my perception of reality. Because at that point, I didn't know that I was having a real effect on reality. It was just my perception had been changed. Um, another thing was, uh, when I would go to wash the dishes that day, uh, just with my hand, it was very soft, but it seemed like my intent was the one that was kind of, um, I guess, cleaning up the plate. It was just a really strange overall sensation. And another thing was when I would be exposed to like electronic objects, uh, they would either break down or I would be really sensitive to them. Like if there was like an electrical wire um, I could feel it. I could feel it like, like disrupting my, my head. It was kind of like, um, it's kind of hard to describe, but it was almost like a buzzing feeling that I could feel. And at that point I, I, I had this uh, inkling that there was something different in the sense of our bodies are not just flesh, bone, and chemicals that we actually have 
an electrical component to us, a magnetic component to us, something that could extend past the body. That was, you know, I felt that because the electrical wires were disrupting me somehow, but obviously, you know, I wasn't physically touching them. So it really kind of led me down the path of trying to understand what else there is out there because I, I almost felt like my intention and my, I guess, my field could expand outside of my body. So another thing that occurred in the couple of days leading after this, uh, this experience was um, at night, I don't know, sometimes if you feel like your feet get cold. And uh, I just had a intuition to visualize my right foot getting warm. And when I did that, uh, I felt my right foot get warm within like two or three seconds. I felt that internally. And what I then did is that I, I grabbed my, my foot with my hand and I felt that it was physically warm. I grabbed the left foot and it was still cold. So I was like, okay, this seems like I can induce some sort of effect based on intent or visualization. I don't know why I had that intuition. I had not read any books in spirituality or, or anything of that nature. Up until this point, I was very kind of closed off. So then I go ahead and do the same thing with the left foot and the left foot gets warm in like two seconds. And I'm like, okay, so visualization intent can have some sort of effect. Uh, this is different. I never felt anything like that before in my life. And, um, you know, it just kind of led me down the path of exploring more. Uh, next day I'm, I'm sitting in the evening with my girlfriend across from me. Uh, we're just kind of listening to soft music and kind of digesting the whole experience. And basically, uh, I just I had another intuition to go ahead and and see if I could connect with her physically, but you know through the air per se. So I used the same exact visualization intent uh, to see if I could connect the bridge with her. The same visualization that I used to warm my right foot, and my left foot. I was like, let me see what happens if I extend that past my physical body, and just see if I could connect with her. So I visualize. I don't know, my brain connecting with her brain through like a electrical force. And about two seconds into it, I'm getting deep into the visualization. I see her head jolt back like that. And at that point, I, I knew that I could connect with her physically. I could connect with another human physically uh, just through visualization and intent. So it wasn't necessarily just a nervous system thing that you were kind of influencing your nervous system to go ahead and, and influence your own body. You can do this you know, through the air. And at that point, I was like, hmm, I had another intuition that maybe uh, telepathy was real. So, you know, I do the same thing, visual intent. And um, I just go ahead and visualize an object over that, the visualization. And, and boom, it was like, it was, that's the only thing that came to her mind at that point. And we did it like three or four times in a row. And I was like, okay, at this point, you know, I'm not telling you to pick a number between one and 10. I'm just literally visualizing something over that connection that I'm visualizing. And it, it seemed to work up until the point that we got all excited and it stopped working for a little bit. But at that point, I knew telepathy was real. I knew that potentially hands-on healing was real because we were always taught that, you know, there cannot be anything transferred uh, between a person's hand and a person's body without physical touch. But it opened me up to that possibility as well. So I just started to dig into the literature at that point. And, you know, I stumbled upon um, uh, Dr. Robert Becker. 
he wrote a great book called The Body Electric. I don't know if you're aware of it, but uh, he studied the regenerative capabilities of salamanders. And what he did was he studied, he observed the fact that there was changes in consciousness uh, while there were changes in the regeneration. And when, they would when he would do his, his experiments and block the change in consciousness in the brain, uh, the regeneration within the limb would cease to exist. So it just uh, opened up, uh, not the possibilities, but just it gave me a framework to know that this stuff is real. It wasn't just happening to me. People have researched this probably since the beginning of mankind. It's kind of been sporadic in terms of what's been known out there in the general public. But uh, these types of abilities are definitely something real. And I just you know, over time, I kind of build a framework for myself, which what worked for me to explain it to others, you know, to have conversations with people and, you know, not scare them off. And, you know, because usually the first thing that, you know, what happens when you talk about stuff like telepathy, then either they try to make fun of you or they try to, um, you know, things of that nature. There's a lot of jeering going on. So, you know, the way that I premise it is, you know, put a lot of data behind it, um, talk about it in a pretty rational manner. And, uh, you know, it's, it's been a pretty interesting journey since then. It's been, um, you know, what, five years, five, five or six years since then. And uh, I've, I've gotten a lot better in describing these sorts of uh, transpirations and, and trying to build a bridge between, you know, spirituality and, and the hard-nosed scientists. I've been involved in a few uh, DMT uh, symposiums. One was in uh, the UK and the other one was in New York. And, you know, a lot of the, the names like Dennis McKenna and uh, Roland Griffiths and... Uh, uh, some other fellas that are pretty well known. Uh, I think Graham Han Hancock was at the last one where, um, you know, we just delve into very interesting uh, discussions as to, you know, what we can do to, to move forward and push this conversation further into the mainstream narrative. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate you sharing all that. Sounds like a really intense experience. And I think that um, it's interesting how when you have um, an opportunity or some sort of external catalyst, you know, like a lot of people will have an awakening from a trauma or an illness or some sort of shift. And then they're like, Oh my goodness, what do I do? And you're, you're offered kind of like, um, an inspiration in which you took, you know, you had this, you had this like voice and opportunity. You're like, okay, I'm going to start testing this. And then you start taking it out on your own to be like, how far does this go? It's almost like um, when Spider-Man gets his powers or Daredevil, it's just like, how far does this go? You know what I mean? <laughs> and like, what, what am I capable of? And I think that it's a really important question for people to ask because, you know, if you don't believe it's possible, it's definitely not going to happen. Um, but also if we can bridge it with hardcore science and proof, that is obviously helpful because this stuff is uh, really out there. I've had similar experiences where I could feel things on my head, sometimes meditating at the third eye, feeling these different things, um, and having just, you know, odd experiences. And, um, you know, if you look up the work, I'm sure you're familiar, Dr. Joe Dispenza, um, when he had, the reason why he does all this work on meditation and healing yourself is because uh, he got hit when he was on his bike, and he had to do this major surgery, and he said no, and he healed himself through visualizing his spine coming back together and it actually worked. And he said, if this works, I'm going to spend the rest of my life figuring out why it worked. And I think it's fascinating that you talk about the electrical energy because um, I'm friends and study with a uh, native American elder and a mathematician 
and a scientist, David Lumber Senapas, and he says uh, what he was taught that is that this universe only has one energy and it's electricity. Um, I am also friends with Robert Grant, who is brilliant. His company's on the New York Stock Exchange. and He's made all these mathematical discoveries. And I did his course, Etymology and Number, and he said the same thing. We only have one energy here and it's electricity. And electricity seems to go hand in hand with science. So I want to kind of throw it back to you. You can add on to anything that I just said there, but I'm curious where some of your research has led to you. Um, like if you want to talk about some of the work in your book or DMT is a big topic now, we could go that way. But what way do you think we can um, move this conversation? And the one thing that I want to ask as well is like in a practical form of developing that D either DMT experience or spiritual experience or um, increasing the human capacity to have supernormal supernormal supernatural experiences yes yeah, so man, that's that's a lot of information um you know one of the interesting things is uh you know our interpretation of data is based on the equipment used to generate it right so you know now a lot of neuroscientists have been using the eeg for about you know almost 100 years now hans berger uh, he was a designer of it to 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 specifically study telepathy in the 1920s because he he had an experience and he felt that much like mine, it was undeniable. So he wanted, he went out of his way to develop equipment that's still utilized to this day, but most neuroscientists don't know that. The EEG with all the channels that's used to uh, read microelectric currents in the brain that coincides with changes in your experience, changes in your perception. Dr. Robert Becker, the guy that I'm citing in terms of the body electric, he uses a different measurement device. He used a direct current measurement. So instead of all the channels, it was much more simple. It was a plus and a minus. So it was a plus at the forehead and a minus at the back. And basically it would, it would flip when we would go to sleep and it would be a minus at the front or plus in the back, uh, one or the other. It's, but basically what, what I'm saying is that with the EEG, we, you talk a lot about brain waves, right? And I'm sure you've heard that conversation when it's delta sleep, theta is like hypnosis, meditation, alpha is a flow state, beta is a stress state or a focused state and gamma is like a hyper-focused, uh, hyper-conscious state. So it's just a terminology is different based on the equipment utilized. The thing with Becker is that he would just measure the direction of the electric current and the coinciding with changes in consciousness. And like most of the focuses in his work was about electricity, but at the same time, through my own work, I've kind of married a lot of the EEG data with his data in terms of understanding what was going on electrically, directionally, uh, coinciding with the, the current status of EEG uh, information in regards to altered states, as well as the data out there regarding the biochemical fluctuations in these altered states, which is there, there's an immense fluctuation. So just for example, when we take our circadian rhythm, 24 hours, right? It's day, night, light, dark. Uh, there's a big there's a big cascade effect in a lot of our biochemical uh, changes. Melatonin rises like crazy during the night. Serotonin rises like crazy during the daytime. But at some point, it seems as though uh, we have an even more interesting system that comes along online when we talk about you know things like dream sleep, lucid dreaming, hypnagogia, even hypnosis or meditation to a certain extent, where people are having visionary experiences and you know, I think the most logical place to start is to start with our endogenous hallucinatory compounds, which is, you know, our DMTs, our, our NNDMT, the 5-MeO DMT, and the BUFO, 
those are the three endogenous DMTs in the body that are considered hallucinogens. So we have to start there when we're talking about the dream state from my perspective. Uh, another thing that I, I guess I've, I've shed light on throughout the work is um, I call it the endowaska system because we all know about ayahuasca. It's the DMT plus the MAOI that allows the, the brew to be orally active. But in the body, we actually have tons of monoamine oxidase inhibitors as well. And that's something that's not really discussed in the DMT circles and the spiritual circles. A lot of it's focused on just the DMT, but we actually have the entire setup like ayahuasca. We have tribulin, pinaline, and, and a few others that you can look up in the book or on the site. Um, basically, we're built for this. You know, we're, we're built to have uh, spiritual psychedelic experiences from, uh, from a biochemical perspective. From an electrical perspective, it seems as though what happens during these states is that instead of the current just running linearly one way or linear, linearly the other way, it starts to oscillate in a very uh, rapid manner. And what I believe is occurring is that once our oscillations in the brain um, increase at a rapid manner, our consciousness can actually expand outside of the body. So it's, it's just basic physics, right? You have an electric current that goes back and forth. And based on the speed of that current and the strength of that current, the field will expand accordingly. And, you know, we have this classic perception that, you know, our perception is based on what we ingest through the eyes. But obviously we can have experiences with the eyes closed. The dream is a perfect example of that. You know, we're having experiences without the eyes open. So that means there's the potential that we can actually perceive without the eyes at all, which is very strange. I know it's extremely strange, even strange to me. But um, that when we're talking about merging the conversations of biochemical upregulation and the changes in our electrical capacity during these states, that's what I'm looking at. So, you know, my perspective of science is that it's a narrative. So whatever's measurable can be... I guess, uh, presented in a scientific manner, whatever your agenda is. And um, the way that I'm presenting it is that these things are measurable, they're, they're occurring, so they're undeniables, right? So brain activity from an EEG perspective or direct current measurement, when you're measuring the circadian rhythm or during meditation or hypnosis, there's changes that are undeniable. From a biochemical perspective, there's changes that are undeniable as well. We have these chemicals within us. Measuring, measuring them and uh, to measure the effect is a little bit difficult in vivo in a live human because we'd have to take samples of a live brain, which is not very ethical at this point. So uh, we'd have to find a, a different method of doing that. But you know, the point being is that if we start at the conversations of what's measurable, what's undeniable, then we... I, from my perspective, it seems that we open the gateway to have conversations with a much broader audience, uh, ones that would normally be skeptical of these things. But once you start at the conversation of like the chemical level, because we're in such a chemical society these days, that they become open to it. And you can start to merge the conversation when you talk about, all right, we have these chemicals and over time, you know, these things get upregulated and we have these experiences and it, it's happening synchronously with these changes in electricity. So that's what I see sometimes is that when people are studying something, it, it's all like all chemical or all electric. And I feel like there needs to be kind of a merging of those conversations because when we're talking about abilities that extend past the body, 
we have to have a layer to discuss that, right? We can't just be talking about chemical layers, talking about DMT, DMT. There needs to be a, a layer of the body that can extend past it so we can stomach the fact that these telepathy, telepathic, hands-on healing stuff can actually occur. Does that make sense? Yeah, man, there's a ton of great information in there. And I think it's an important uh, point that you're making is bridging the, uh, you know, the biochemical and the electrical because they go hand in hand. And, you know, if you can, it's like positive, negative, if you're trying to figure out electricity, if you have just one or you study just the other, you know, you kind of need to put them together. And then you also need to know what the ground is. So it's kind of, in a way, a missing element, it's incomplete without the other. Um, yeah. And one affects the other. So I, I definitely hear what you're saying. And I think that, you made an excellent point when you talked about having it in the body. That's what a lot of people don't understand. Ayahuasca has become uh, very well known and DMT has become very well known and psychedelics um, are having a huge push towards uh, positivity and, you know, how people um, should use those things. And, um, you know, I was actually a really big advocate for ayahuasca and DMT and all those things for a long time. Um, now I'm, I'm not as sure only because the one person I really respect, um, the Native American elder, I asked him, I was like, you know, do you guys, did you guys use that kind of stuff? He's like, everything that that has, your body has. Mm -hmm. And I know that. I know that that's true. He's like, we never use that stuff. He's like, we don't affect our consciousness because if we want to figure out what reality is, um, that's going to change your reality. So it's going to be harder for you. But if you can really connect to what reality is and understand your body, then you can produce this from within yourself. But I think there was another point that he had made was basically saying that this reality being present, you know, in nature, in the trees and amongst people really present and fully conscious is the state that you want. You don't want to be all bugged out. You know what I mean? <laughs> flowing, trying to like go through traffic. He's like, this experience is maxed out enough. However, um, you know, in my own research and in my understanding, like if you want to do psychedelics, I know a lot of people have had great benefit from that. And, uh, you know, the DMT experience, you know, being in the pineal gland, and you look at um, Egyptian hieroglyphs and you look at the Bible and you read it in a certain way, it's anatomy. You know, the serpent and all that stuff, it's going up the central mm -hmm. nervous system to turn on the pineal gland. And you look at, you know, all these YouTube videos and how to turn it on and things like that. Um, but I think the idea is that we, we desire, I think I do, and I think many others to have a mystical experience. We want that because we want to know that sometimes this life is dark and it's hard and it's uh you go through depression and you know you just want to know that there's something more and a mystical experience would show you that and um i think that we can generate that within the body so my question to you would be with your research what is some of the um i don't know undeniable knowledge that uh a proof that you talk about or how the body produces it mm -hmm. and um also what's your take on producing that within the body? Because I know there's a lot of information out there on like producing DMT. And do you think that there's value in even that pursuit? Yeah, absolutely. First off, it seems like a, well, let, let me change that. There's, there's two pathways and this seems to be very common within the body. There's, there's a rela relaxative pathway and then there's a trauma pathway. Like uh, they've done studies in rats and they've shown that if they stress the rats to a very high degree, uh, DMT rises. That's not necessarily the way that you'd want to do it, right? You wouldn't want to traumatize yourself to a high degree just to get, you know, your DMT levels up. And then the relaxative way is the way that you'd want to go. That's uh, meditation, hypnosis, sensory deprivation tanks, extended dark, 
darkness, maybe extended uh, breath work, uh, listening to trance-like music. Um, there's so many different ways. Uh, fasting is another excellent way. I think that there are very safe ways that you can go about uh, attempting to access the endowaska system. I think that it's good to start off gently. Uh, there's no reason to go ahead and, and rush into it and go so hardcore into it. I, I That's kind of one of the things that I do is that I, I walk people through the process of uh, kind of not inducing the same experience that I have, but some similarities in terms of getting the gut brain right, uh, getting your health right, um, just better practices. And, you know, one of the interesting things that I found is that, you know, in, in Rick Strassman's study, there was four levels of DMT that he, that he studied. It was uh, 0 0.05 milligrams per kilogram, 0.1, I think a 0.2 and 0.4. And in the two lowest levels, they were sub-psychedelic. That means there was no visionary experiences from the DMT, even though it's still a hallucinogen administered. But the, the effect on the lowest level of uh, administration, the 0 0.05, it was, described it was described as being euphoric. Um, one of the people in the trials had done heroin before and described the distinct similarity between DMT and heroin, the effects of it. No, no psychedelic experiences, but just a feeling of emotion, of being coddled, you know, just feeling great. And that led me down the path of understanding that, you know, DMT is not just, oh, we got to have a full-blown uh, mystical visionary experience, because I didn't have that. I didn't have a visionary experience. I had a, a deep euphoria for like six, seven weeks of being connected to something greater than myself. And that's what I kind of help people go through these days is... You know, if you're feeling down or you're not feeling right, then we kind of walk you through how to refurbish your body, uh, kind of build up these, you know, the endowaska system. And you start to feel, you have to start with feeling good first, right? You have to start with euphoria first. You have to start with the low levels of DMT building up into something, you know, it could be a massive spiritual experience or it could just be euphoria for 20 years, right? There's nothing wrong with that. So uh, that, that's what kind of, led me to understand that the whole DMT conversation doesn't have to be so one-sided, right? It doesn't have to be aliens or nothing. It can be a lot more subtle. And that's where I'm at these days where um, I feel like a combination of uh, GI refurbishing, maybe a little purging in a gentle manner, maybe using vitamin C, uh, you know, doing some fasting, maybe getting some good sun rays and, uh, you know, just drinking really good clean water. And even juice fasting, if you need to, can really uh, do a, a big difference on somebody, how they feel in, in just a couple days. And I think that, you know, if they really want to get deeper into, I guess, uh, building up their own endowaska system, they can go deeper into the fasting and the darkness and the meditations, the chanting, the music, things of that nature. And overall, I just feel like there's mainly like 99.9% .9 positive effects from that. So I, I think I agree with your native American elder who describes this as being inherent to us and something that I'm not against psychedelics at all. Um, I'm not a big proponent of it, of it personally. I think there's a time and place for everything, but uh, they're illegal. So you can still get in trouble for it. And we have the system with access. We have easy access to it. So I think it's time that, humanity starts to become a little bit more aware of that fact that we, we have complete access to this. It's, it's undeniable. So 
let's just build protocols like Joe Dispenza has done to go ahead and, and dip into that goodness. Awesome, man. Yeah, I definitely agree with everything that you said there. And, and you brought up a lot of great points. What I wanted to ask for practicality, and you touched on it, could you offer a simple protocol for, you know, let's say a beginner version for uh, increasing the endowaska system and then a maxed out protocol. So like one to three is like, here's your baby version and it's like, yeah. all right, you want to get some, here's an advanced version. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the, the baby version would probably be a I start people off with buffered vitamin C, uh, about a tablespoon of that and, and maybe 30 ounces of water. You do this first thing in the morning. Let's say the baby version is going to assume that you have three days free, okay? It's not going to assume that you're still going to have to maybe operate. I mean, you might have to go to work and all that, but I'm going to just give you the gist. So first day, you're going to go ahead and, and clean out your GI tract. That's super important. Um, I think we produce a lot of our DMT in our GI tract, to be quite honest. Uh, from my research, it seems as though um, the, there was a study that showed there was a lot of DMT in our stools, actually. And the researchers hypothesized that they think that glands throughout the entire colon and the entire GI tract are what's producing it. So you got to go ahead and, and clean out the GI tract. If you want to, you can go ahead and maybe do like a, a two or three day juice fast where you're drinking like celery juice or carrot juice or a combination of green juice for, for two to three days. And what you want to do is do at least uh, 20 minutes of, uh, you know, something akin to the Wim Hof method where you're doing deep uh, rhythmic breathing through the nose and out through the mouth. You want to do that at least uh, twice a day, one in the morning and one at night. And if you could do it longer at night, that, that would be greater. Um, and that's basically what you want to do. And usually by the third day, people are feeling just completely different, right? Um, we don't know how much our emotions are affected by our GI tract. And like if we're gunked up and we have a bad diet, eating a lot of McDonald's and stuff like that, we don't want to be sitting in that. We need to clear that out. So a combination of that purging, juicing, and breath work will get you to like, I would say out of stage one through five, you're going to be at stage probably like two. You're going to be feeling a lot better emotionally and you might have different sort of dream experiences from what I've heard from, you know, working with people and it's just an overall sort of sense of connectivity with oneself. It's, it's very different. It could be done in three days. The, the more extensive program, which uh, I've worked with people on this before is, you know, it's just more extended fasting. You could do a, a dark, you know, extended darkness. Um, you could be listening to like binaural beats or different sort of um, audio tracks to basically what you want to do is stay in a very sedated state, very tranquil state. That's the key is that when it comes to the mechanics of accessing these mystical experiences, it comes from going into like a very deep, uh, a deep slow wave state, like a, a theta or a delta. And what's going to happen is once you go ahead and access these states for prolonged periods, you're going to see a high spike in, in gamma, gamma waves. This is what Joe Dispenza talks a lot about. It's funny because a lot of the work that I've done, I, I came up to all these conclusions before I read Joe's stuff. That's why I was like, oh man, Joe's the man. We, we haven't even touched base and like he's, he's been doing the research in real time and that's a whole different topic, but I'm really impressed by his work. But anyways, you want to access these states by basically writing that theta gamma coupling. So it's a slow wave, fast wave coupling. And it goes back to the oscillatory activity using different measurements. But basically what you want is prolonged sedation with uh, prolonged breath work. You know, I'm talking about 
30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour of breath work, just into the nose, out to the mouth. If you want to look up the basics for the Wim Hof method, you can do that as well. And what you want to do is that at night, once you're getting to your extent, the end of your breath work, whether it's 30 minutes or 40 minutes, you really want to go ahead and, and try to move that cerebral spinal fluid from the lower lumbar up into up throughout the spinal canal up into the brain. Um, there's different techniques out there. Joe Dispenza talks about one. Wim Hof Method talks about one. Where basically you're squeeze, you're u- utilizing your your muscles around your spinal cord, starting at your tailbone, and you're squeezing up. And basically, you know, you're just creating sort of the tension to rise more cerebral spinal fluid up. And, you know, we believe that it's not just DMT that's being produced in the brain. There's probably hundreds or thousands of other chemicals that are that are being um, upregulated during these moments. But that will get you to the point of, you know, having a mystical experience, whether it's just pure eufor- euphoria, uh, pure uh, transcendental state where you feel like, you know, you connected with everyone around you. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be full-blown aliens. So, you know, I'm just prepping people for what to experience. And some people do experience, uh, you know, very complicated situations. So that's just the general gist of it. But when you're talking about full-blown, get after it uh, experience, you're talking about, yeah, seven to 10 days of, you know, water fasting and a lot of darkness and a lot of breath work. You know, that, that's just my perspective. Awesome, man. Yeah, that's really practical and straightforward. I want to just touch on something really quick. Did you say vitamin C? That's what you take or something else? Yeah, I, I, I uh, recommend people using a buffered vitamin C for, uh, for their purges because it's, it's kind of easy to, to sip on and, um, you know, you can't overdose on vitamin C, so it's pretty safe. And that, that's why I encourage people to go ahead and clean out their GI tract for the first day just using vitamin C. Okay, cool. Yeah, I, you said buffer vitamin C. Yeah, buffered vitamin C. Uh, it's not too acidic. I guess it's it comes with um, magnesium and and maybe a little bicarbonate to go ahead and uh, so pe- people don't have super sour stomachs from it. Got it. Yeah, you know what you're talking about. Uh, I'm familiar with. You know, the gut brain is pretty common if you start looking at it and. We want, I think people want a different state of consciousness. They talk, we talk a lot about um, higher states of consciousness, talk about awakening, talk about uh, human optimization, talk about uh, manifestation and law of attraction, all that kind of good stuff. It's hard to think about those things and experience them directly without breaking your pattern. And people are kind of stuck in a habitual pattern. And one of the things that I use when I coach people, um, even it doesn't matter, it'd be like a CEO entrepreneur that's just grinding or like an everyday Joe. I'm like, just do a two day fast. And what that does is it pattern interrupts everything. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the quickest way to kind of like reset. And then it also creates this um, identity because you're always thinking about food. And so then you're now separating this voice of like this addictive body voice and you're like, okay, you know, the body keeps wanting this, but I can actually override that. So you're starting to make these distinctions that are important. And I think the main thing is that what you're sharing right now is not complicated. It's a protocol that is just not common. And so if you could even try the baby version, doing the breath work, you're probably going to have, like you said, it'll be not even subtle. I think it'll be, you know, it's not going to be full blown aliens, but it's going to be enough energy in a direction. You're like, whoa, what an interesting feeling. 
what an interesting state of mind that I now have because I broke that pattern. Um, I was going to ask just out of curiosity because you have these really great protocols. Um, I know the Wim Hof method is really popular. I've gone down the breath rabbit hole. Um, you know, I'm like, what is the best breath pattern and trying all these different things. Do you have um, a few other than the Wim Hof that you, you like for like, I know the Dr. Joe, um, method for pulling up the cerebral spinal, but I'm all about protocols and methods. And I'm just curious if you have like a, a, a top one or two breath and a top one or two for bringing the, the spinal fluid up. You know, I love to simplify things as much as possible, man. So, you know, the main thing is just breathing deep through the nose and out through the mouth. And, you know, I don't think that you should necessarily do like hard breath where it's like, like you're you're doing it so strenuously all the time i feel like there's um it's good to maybe rev it up at the beginning for maybe 10 15 minutes and then after that then you can kind of go to a very uh, slow easy breath into the nose out through the mouth but main thing you want to do is just stay in that very sedated state because that's where everything comes from i have a belief and it hasn't been proven yet that uh there is a load and an activation phase for your um endogenous dmt in the body and i feel the load phase coincides with sedation like a slow wave like a theta and a delta it loads into the receptors and i feel like the activation phase is during the gamma and you know like thank god for joe Dispenza because he talks about that or else like you know i'll be i would be what like one of the only weirdos talking about that stuff because <laughs> like basically my entire book is about the gamma frequency and that up until the 90s uh before digital equipment became very common uh, you had difficulty measuring the gamma wave during EEG studies. So basically it was just limited to beta. So anything that we could, I guess, pinpoint as coinciding with something like super conscious is kind of, was kind of immeasurable. So what happened is once the gamma became measurable, then people started to see that, at least from my own research, that there's a lot of studies that show that all these states, meditation, hypnosis, uh, REM sleep, lucid dream sleep, all these correlate with the gamma state. So, you know, that's why I feel I have the hypothesis that we have a load phase and an activation phase, and we need to learn about the mechanics of them to access them. But yeah, in terms of the breath work, I, I, I haven't explored a lot of them because ultimately to me, it's, you know, come on, it's just, you're breathing in through the nose and you're getting, you're changing cerebral spinal fluid production and you're getting oxygen and, and you're changing a lot of things. And it's not that each breath isn't, it doesn't have something special to them but to me uh into the nose out to the mouth uh 10 to 15 minutes of intense breath work like the wim hof method and then after that you can kind of just really do nice and slow and uh but it just needs to be for a prolonged period of time got it cool i appreciate that and so on that note what i'm curious about too because you've looked at this in in a lot of different ways i've looked at a lot of technologies for a while and I'm just curious what you've explored for technologies that you think are helpful. So um, binaural beats, one is common. Um, you know, I was down in Estonia with the Sync Tuition uh, company, really cool, you know, binaural beats and the science behind that stuff is really incredible. Um, I've been exploring binaural beats for a long time. There's uh, the Muse meditation headband, you know, creating like the, you know, helping you meditate, things like that, like in apps, you know, technology like a Headspace, if you don't know how to um, meditate, it just kind of makes it a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. So what technologies are you aware of or even practices? One of the main practices that I've been recommending uh, lately is that, well, I've always been a big martial artist and, and big on um, 
you know, the body understanding. But if you don't know how to meditate, go for a bloody jog. Just mm. go for a jog. You're going to watch your thoughts, you know what I mean? But you're using your body, you know, you don't have to think. You can, it could be all crazy. But if you jog every day for a week and you haven't jogged in years, yeah. that will be your meditation. It, your body will start producing all those hormones and the, and the biology necessary to start figuring out your crazy mind at that moment, you know? So just curious if you have some um, like technologies and experiences that you'd recommend and even like cold rooms or float tanks or anything mm -hmm. in that realm and like also just a personal practice. Yeah, absolutely. I've tried a lot of different things. Um, I like hot and cold therapy a lot. I feel like, uh, you know, if I'm doing a retreat with somebody and I really need to kind of break them down mentally, then that's kind of what I do. Not necessarily in a torture sense, but put their body in a very extreme state, states that they're normally not comfortable with or they don't do normally. And it, it just automatically sedates them. I, I like keeping people in hypnotic states because once people stay in hypnotic states, that's just the healing state naturally, you know. We have better autonomic uh, nervous system control and things of that nature. In terms of the equipment, I have an Ajnalite at home. Uh, I met Guy Harriman, the founder of Ajnalite in 2016, I believe, in the UK. And um, we were talking a lot about uh, his technology. And I've had some pretty interesting um experiences with the ajna light uh i've i've can had the muse excuse me can you spell it what do you i'm trying to um a j n a yeah ajna yeah dennis mckenna talked about it on the joe rogan podcast a few years back and um i think dennis dennis is a big uh, pusher that you know in talking with him he, he feels like if you're in the right state of mind that you could definitely have some interesting experience from ajna light uh, there's also other light devices like lucia light and um I forget uh, the other one, but um, yeah, I, I have a Muse device at home, and I, I think it does. It, it can be a really good training wheels for somebody who is not uh, used to meditating at all and not really used to understanding what an altered state feels like. Because from what it seems as though people are either very alert and focused and kind of stressed, or they're asleep. What what I see a lot of people is that if you don't meditate or you're not used to hypnosis, as soon as we kind of get you into that, that relaxed state where you're, you're awake, but you're not super stressed and a lot of people fall asleep. So that's why I think things like the muse are great because somebody can kind of understand uh, wh what it feels like to be awake, but to be relaxed, but to be like a, a human, right? Like you're not, you're not a, you're not a, this manic stressed person. Like you, you can actually function and, and be okay just be relaxed but awake um let me see other equipment well so i've i've done sensory deprivation tanks a few times i think those are pretty interesting experiences to quiet the mind you know one of the interesting things that um when you mentioned the jogging i feel like you know just jogging or, or things of that nature kind of one of the big proponents of the benefits is just based on that it, it basically forces you to kind of get into a rhythmic breathing pattern you know and also with, with the muscle movement, you, you kind of induce a lot of carbon dioxide in the blood, which forces a, increases your cerebral blood flow. So there, there's a lot of benefits to jogging that I think that people aren't really aware of when it comes to even spiritual practices. But that's something that I feel like maybe a, I'm going to start to integrate when I do a, like little courses with people because you know, I, I think that there, there's, there's more benefits than, than we're aware of, you know? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I think that those are all really um, quality suggestions. And when you were saying them, what I think is important is that 
if you're a person thinking about like these technologies or states of mind or things like that, what these technologies allow you to do is experience something that is not your everyday consciousness. And I have been referring it to uh, like, I've been calling this state of consciousness recently taskless consciousness. We mm-hmm. wake up and we got to do tasks. And also what the underlying belief and, and fear in that consciousness is, is it's survival because usually you wake up, you grab your coffee or whatever, and you're going to work or you're doing something to perform a task. And if that task is not done on time or right or whatever, you might lose your job or whatever. And then that means you lose your home and you can't go eat a sandwich. So there's like all this underlying survival mechanism to that. And that is your daily default consciousness. And so if you can just see this from an explorer's point of view of like, you know what, I'm going to go try out a float tank two or three times just to see what that's like. It's going to be a different experience. It breaks, you know, we're talking about hypnosis. Uh, One of the powerful tools in hypnosis is a pattern interrupt. You're basically on a treadmill in your mind and we need to interrupt that pattern. And that's what happens to our neurology and our psychology. It's that we let, we are creatures of habit and we like comfort and we also are afraid of things, you know? So when we have security um, what happens is we start running our daily patterns and we lay train tracks. They're not very adaptable. And then the, every day we run that pattern, the deeper and deeper the train tracks go, you know, or if it's like the line, like that line would go all the way up. So you're never getting off that train track. And that's how your neurology works. And so if you can pattern interrupt by jogging, by maybe trying a light therapy, by going to a Wim Hof class, by just doing something out of the order, go do a dance class for no reason. Go do an art class. Just do anything to experience a different reality than what you're getting home, doing Netflix, doing whatever. Um, Because I think it needs to be experiential and that really can have a powerful shift to start then experiencing other states of consciousness, feeling the relaxed space. Because you talked, you said something I thought was so profound in the in the sense that it was just um you know going and feeling relaxed it's like oh you can take a few deep breaths and you can feel relaxed most people go about the day and they do not feel relaxed (laughs) yeah i mean like you said man these tracks that you're laying they're neural pathways and the one thing that i really stuck out to me in my i guess spiritual awakening experience is that our brains aren't necessarily our own. I mean, our thoughts aren't necessarily our own. They're kind of based on our experiences and what we continue to think over and over and over. And it seems as though, like you said, if you break certain patterns, you know, there's a thing in the brain called the default mode network. And a lot of that is, you know, based on our experiences. And what's interesting is that a lot of these altered states, you know, you talk about sleep and, and hypnosis and meditation and even psychedelics, uh, they notice that the default mode network quiets a lot. So it's almost like your, your brain is building new tracks, like just a new, new potential. And that's really what a lot of these, uh, a lot of these endowaska techniques are all about is building new tracks. You know, one of my passions when it comes to this is, is health. So, you know, in my research, a lot of disease seems to be based on autonomic nervous system malfunction. So autonomic nervous system is, considered the part of the nervous system that we can't normally influence. Um, the interesting thing is that through the research, a, a lot of these same states, hypnosis, meditation, you actually have control over your autonomic nervous system in a manner that you don't during your normal waking consciousness. So 
you know, there, there's, there's twofold, there's two things in terms of accessing uh, the endowaska system. It's, it's one of them is to go ahead and try to induce a mystical experience. Another one is to just rewire your brain so you can rewire your body so you can heal yourself. So, you know, the healing has to take place on an emotional level and the emotional level coincides with the brain. So it's all about changing these pathways, changing these tracks. And you could do that with extended breath work. You can do that even with psychedelics. You can do that with extended sensory deprivation, which they've seen has great uh, effects for PTSD, uh, people with P PTSD. So it's just, um, there's so many layers to this discussion. It's It can go on and on, I, I feel like. But for me, uh, one of the primary reasons for exploring it is not just supernormal abilities like telepathy or telekinesis or something even more far-fetched, but it's also just uh, health-related. And how do, we, how do we get our emotions right? How do we get our head straight? Uh, how do we heal uh, diseases that are supposed to be unhealable um, using mechanisms that are available to us in a pretty easy manner? Yeah, man, I, I totally agree with that. And I think that um, you're comment was really on point because we're if you look at it statistically we're a very unhealthy society we're a very stressed out society and we're a very fear-based society and if we are connected to our own power to our health to our vitality to our energy and to courage rather than fear or love or inspiration we're going to be vibrating at a much higher level and if you think about it in brainwave states i think it goes kind of opposite because the slower the brainwave the more relaxed you are right and the faster but then gamma wave is really fast if there's a coupling that takes place that's the most interesting thing to me ah. is that it, it the the gamma rides the slow you know that that's what we see that's just what's been a consistent thing so it's not one or the other right we got to be flexible we just we just look at the data and we try to present a narrative, man. And that, that's really what we're looking to do. And I just feel like uh, we're at the cusp of it right now. I think that Joe Dispenza is like a, leading the charge. Wim Hof is leading the charge. Guys like you with podcasts like this are doing a great um, service to humanity, spreading these messages. So I feel like going forward, um, in order to really break into the mainstream, I guess that that's why I, I guess I – I use the DMT conversation so much when talking about these sorts of things. While you know some people might not understand that it makes sense because DMT is supposed to be about you know completely mystical experiences. I think that just based on our studies on neuroplasticity, on people that have done ayahuasca that have had miraculous healings, I think those things are super interesting because they're they're presented in a functional manner, and we all know somebody who's ill. We don't know, we, not everybody out there knows somebody who wants to have a full-blown psychedelic experience, but I think healing is a must. So I think that that's going to be one of the key catalysts towards pushing the functionality of, of the endowaska conversation in the future. Yeah, man. And, and again, you touched on a lot of really great points. I think that it's going to be great when it's mainstream, when we have this basic understanding of our bodies and health. And I, I've heard it put before and I really like it. The idea that we are in the upside down. And, you know, when I was going through high school, I just knew that so much was nonsense. I was like, I'm getting taught nonsense. The news is nonsense. Something is wrong here. Something is very, very, the adults are frigging up. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then, 
I go through a few years of research and then, you know, conspiracy stuff here and there. And like, you know, people are arguing over who's president now. It's like Trump and people hate Trump. And I was like, bro, Best Buy Future Shop, you know, McDonald's um, Burger King. The power has to be within the people on that scale. And that's like just the, the world is chaos. But you look at people, they're out of shape, stressed out, like that kind of thing. We don't have the basic knowledge. We have more in, access to information, ease and comfort than ever before. Um, somebody, I, I saw something once as like, we have more luxury than like the King of England, like a hundred years ago or something like that. Right. Yeah. And uh, we're friggin' miserable. We're stressed out. We don't feel good enough. We're not worthy because we're not the skinny model on TV and we're not driving in the Ferrari and then we sell our health so we can just go to a job every day. Why the heck do we need to do that? What the hell is happening here? And so getting to that baseline understanding of health and empowerment so then we can build our reality from a coherent and balanced state of mind. And then the fascinating idea is what then? What from that springboard of understanding ourselves, consciousness, and spirituality is possible? And there are people like Wim Hof doing things like that's impossible. Well, I just did 40 things that you, doctor, scientist, told me are impossible. How about no, I don't believe you. And what I think is opening up is um, when I was down in Guatemala for the Mayan fire ceremony with some Mayan elders and, and a few other elders of different lineages, the Mayans said that they believed humans had 20 senses. And I feel like what's happening now is once we get our basic health back, it's like we are, I usually use um, goldfish or we're dolphins thinking we're goldfish because they got sonar and we're understanding how the sonar, sonar is our telepathy, right? It's like, mm -hmm. oh, bro, we do have sonar. You just don't know how to use it. And you got to stop being a goldfish first to realize you can send that signal. Then guess what else you can do? You can literally jump out of your dimension. <laughs> right goldfish yeah. can't do that you know so, it's like, so yeah. where where does it end and then you cooperate with the other dolphins and Absolutely. life is better you know Absolutely. what i mean you work as a team and so yeah. you know i like to on my instagram stuff i'll do hashtag team earth or hashtag don't be a dickhead be nice <laughs> to people you know on, on the electrical note, uh, David is a scientist and, and his elders, what he was taught, he's a, a biologist, scientist, mathematician. He's like, I was taught there's one energy here. And he's like, I was like, I always ask him a ton of different questions. <laughs> and uh, so one day I'm going, I'm like, how do we like get the higher consciousness and like expand it? He goes, you know, you guys. And he's like, you, you white, you white folk, you <laughs> essentially, he's like, you're always talking about the higher consciousness and DMT and all that kind of stuff. He's just like, the closest thing you're ever going to get to that is three kind acts a day going out of your way and don't, and not telling anyone. Then he proceeded to tell me for about an hour of which very little I understood with notes and other stuff and me Googling crap, uh, electrical engineering and how you need to create an action to create a charge. And the way that this, you're in a kind of like a spiritual dimension. So when you go and you do the action, there is a charge that gets emitted just like if you're with your socks and you, and you shuffle your feet along and then you, you poke your brother or sister and they give them a shock. So the action of kindness is what creates the charge and it's stored and it's stored in your DNA, which has um, antenna that receive a signal. 
And so when you're doing these three kind acts each day, you're actually creating electrical charges through interaction with your environment. Also why nature is so important because the trees create electromagnetic fields. The water creates electromagnetic, you know, fields and all that kind of good biochemical stuff that I don't understand when you scientists did, maybe you could tell me. Um, but I thought that was very fascinating because he's like, the reason why um, if you if you hold that energy, the electricity has to start changing your DNA because people are talking about DNA upgrades and things like that. He's like, that's actually what would happen. And he's mm -hmm. like, but it just gives you more awareness, more consciousness um, to then have like a little bit more foresight. Like if you only receive reality and you can see like one foot in front of your mind and that's kind of everybody's default. They can see the next task. And then as they're doing the next task, they're thinking about all these other tasks. So their window is super muddy. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not actually clear. It's not actually focused, yeah. right? You start to do these things. You get a little bit more focus, a little bit more clarity. And then also you see four feet out, 10 feet out, 20 feet out. And then boop, in that 20 feet, then something else comes into your awareness as a possibility, um, as a perspective, and then a new action that can bring you a new level of life or consciousness. Did that make sense? Can you yeah, that, makes, that, makes, <laughs> that actually makes a lot of sense, man. Um, just based on the intent, I feel like we don't understand intent. Uh, you know, there's so much information in regards to visualization and, and things of that nature. And that's basically intent. You're, you're hallucinating what you want, right? That's what that's what visualization are. You know, when you have these top tier Olympic athletes doing visualizations, they do that for a reason because it's based on intent and they're kind of manifesting their future, right? They're not only training their body, but they're training something else, a different layer, something that you just described, that it's science isn't there yet. At least the big mainstream science isn't there yet in terms of understanding. But yeah, definitely. And I, I think that doing three kind things a day without anybody knowing is that's a great thing that I'm going to add to my protocol now. So it just makes so much sense because, um, you know, we have the gut brain, we have the brain brain and we have, we have neurons in our heart too. Uh, and I think that there is, well, you know, I'm not trying to make it sound more than it is. I definitely had an experience. Part of my experience was a different feeling in my heart. There was a warmth in it. It felt like I was accessing something that had been closed for a while. You know, um, I was always like a technical thinker and somehow a different part of me opened up and a physical, I had a physical sensation that coincided with that and it wasn't heartburn. So yeah, it was, um, I feel like there, there's something there. I can't put it in scientific terms, but yeah, to do something uh, nice for somebody without wanting anything back will open up a part of you to the universe that, um, I think that most of us might not be accessing all the time and that's where the magic comes from. Yeah, man. And uh, I really like the addition that you said about opening up that little piece in your heart, because I think that on the planet right now, we've got uh, a system in place that really disempowers and uh, marginalizes the importance and power of following your heart. I feel like our inspiration, you know, to be inspired is to be in spirit. And that's that inner voice that's talking to you all the time. And we are conditioned to shut that voice up. That's not, you know, you're, you're out there thinking, you're not logical. But when you follow that voice first, you put the heart first, the inspiration first, and then you, you figure it out with the noodle, with the technical, right? Because you could work 
40 hours a week at McDonald's, but no inspired you want to be a dancer. Dance on the weekends, dance after work. We also are conditioned, and I want to make this very clear, and I'm going to make it more clear in the podcast, stop looking for the easy pill. Stop looking for the DMT, smoke the DMT, you don't have the answers. I met so many people that have done ayahuasca and DMT and all that stuff, and they're no further ahead than they were. They did get a glimpse, and it was impactful, but it does not... Uh, you know, the slow way you, you go to a Shaolin master, you go to these people that I really respect on the planet have having real superhuman abilities. It's through dedication of following that inner voice and proper training, simple things. It's not this like, oh, I just did this. And all of a sudden it was easy. So I think that's a part of the process to accept that to, um, you know, get really clear on, you know, what is that inspired voice? Don't be afraid of hard work and moving towards it, right? Limiting all of the nonsense, that distraction, uh, Netflix, social media, all that crap, that's what's keeping you away from moving towards that. You're like, man, I really wish I could start an online business, but I don't have enough time. Yes, you do. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, Absolutely. you do. Absolutely. Yeah, one thing I'd like to say in regards to that, at least from my experience, was that um, you know, in order to find – what we really want in our life, sometimes it helps to get really healthy, right? Because we might think that we want something, like maybe we might even think that it comes from our heart, but if we really put in the work to really get healthy and, and all that, our our wants change. And at that point, that becomes the point where you should really tap in and follow whatever your whatever your heart is. And if your heart says you are just, you're great as you are, then that's great, right? But at, the, at some point, maybe your your desires change based on your health. I know that's what happened to me. So I feel like absolutely like you, we should follow our heart. But at the same time, we should also uh, be aware that sometimes uh, you know, our pre-programmed conditions in this society uh, give us false notions of what really is in our heart and what isn't in our heart. And I feel like, I feel like uh, optimizing our health might uh, allow us to tap into deeper truth. Does that make sense? Yeah, hundred percent, man. And I'm really glad you added that because some of the common questions I get when coaching people or in communication will be, how do I know the difference between my heart and my head? And it's such a really excellent question because you're, you're thinking from the state of mind and consciousness that you're currently experiencing. So if you want to be in your heart, maybe you're really in materialism and it's just like, I really want this and it's a material object. Um, and that's where for me, hypnosis really helps. And anyone listening to this, um, you can Google the heart journey hypnosis and I'll send it to you for free because it's the best thing that I am aware of now that puts you in another state to just look at it from, that, a, diff, from a relaxed state of mind, right? And then when you're talking about health, once you're feeling healthy and vital, your consciousness is going to shift. You know, you're going to have a different understanding. You're going to be more clear minded, yeah. you know, like that's it. Because again, it's like looking through the windshield. It's like, what do I want to see? And there's just mud and stuff. You can't really see, you know, it's like, I, yeah. you feel terrible. You only have a little bit of light, but then boom, you're like, holy you know, what you see, like, okay, what do yeah. I want? You know? And so a really important distinction. And if, we want to get out of that. You know, I think that health is such a baseline and that baseline for many people is way down here. Health and stress. Try to figure out those two things. So um, a really important addition. Do you want to add on to that? Yeah. You know, it's super interesting that you, um, you just mentioned a book regarding hypnosis and the heart because from what it seems as though the slower brainwave patterns, you know, when you're really sedated, it 
creates a, some sort of a synchronization between the rhythm of the heart and the brain. So that would make sense. You know, you're, if you're going to go into hypnosis and you want to access a thought from a different perspective, maybe from the neurons in your heart rather than the neurons in your brain, uh, you would have to be able to access a certain state and you would need to have coherence. So it, it makes a lot of sense. And it's just, I'm excited because I feel like this information is getting out there. Um, from my own uh, my own experiences in helping others, like these these changes are happening really fast now. I'm talking about people are having uh, transformative experiences within two three days, sometimes two three weeks. But usually, you know, with when you stay steady, and like you said, it's all about your habits, man. It's all about what you do every day. You know, if you do the same thing every day and it's it's in a negative, it's going to keep you in a negative pattern. But it's all about breaking the negative patterns, the negative habits. And I'm not saying that you can't indulge and be a regular human, but at least have something that kind of resets you, realigns you, and gets you right. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. You don't have to go full aliens with it. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm just I'm going through David Goggins' book now, and I'm already like thinking about this. Is like just go like not even half David Goggins. Do you know his story is outrageous? Even if you went half his power, it's just ludicrous. He's a military like, guy. Yeah, you got to like do 0.1 David Goggins and it's like 10 average human beings. That's <laughs> absolutely outrageous. Um, but it's beautiful because that's another person that like I wouldn't, I don't agree with all of his lifestyle, but he, what the thing about him is like, or, or want to do that is like, he's setting a whole new bar and he like, that's what he's here to do. Like, you know what? This is what you think that you think this is the four minute mile. It's actually like, two minutes you know what i mean and then plus you i don't know do all this other stuff it's just craziness but it's showing what's possible and so if we can kind of tap into that and it's all in us it's not like you 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 see someone else and it's not like they're special it's yeah. you have that ability it's not that like the dmt and and all of that spiritual you're more spiritual than this person you need to wear that clothes you need to align your chakras you got to figure out what your past lives are all of that information is in you you're the boss you know what i mean you have this and we can learn how to tap into it uh through our own intent and that's a really important thing that you said um man i want to thank you for your time because this has been a wonderful conversation super in-depth what I want to ask, um, and, and feel free to elaborate for as long as you want. Um, I just want to honor your time and, and all that kind of stuff. If there's anything that you wish that we had talked about or covered, feel free to talk about that um, for as long as you wish. And also, the question that I wanted to ask is just, just a simple protocol from your perspective to kind of just keep in alignment. Maybe it's like a daily practice or a perspective, just you know, something practical. People are in their worlds now. They want to make a change. They want to I think people just want to have food and a roof over their head. They want to do something meaningful. They want to have some free time. They want to have some good relationships, but also they want to have like, I don't know. They want to feel peaceful and they mm -hmm. want to feel empowered. So just some support in that direction. Yeah. Well, one of the main things for me, at least noticing everything in society is, you know, put your ringer on the phone and put it down, put it in the next room. You know, because I've noticed that one of the trends that's going on is because normally people silence their cell phones, you know, all the time, silence it 24-7. So there's a, some sort of neurotic checking it, right? Like, I, I didn't hear a ring, better look, might have missed something. So if, I've just noticed that even for myself, you know, I go through bouts of 
you know, that sort of thing, using the phone too much. And I think that it's important to put the phone down. That's one of your biggest stressors in life right now. Put the phone down for at least three, four hours a day and put the ringer on and put it somewhere else because you don't need that, that constant uh, stressor in your life to kind of, you build a neuroticism in your life. And I, I've noticed that people have kind of gotten worse with that, that they're constantly checking their phones, which means you're constantly distracted. You're never, you know, present. You need to be present with yourself. Another big thing is sunlight. I think sun is, you know, one of the most vilified thing throughout history uh, based on the medical establishment. It's just silly. I think sunlight is super key. And I feel like uh, accessing the sun at least for a few minutes a day, not with sunglasses on. I'm not talking about sun gazing, but I'm talking about at least just letting the sun hit your eyes a little bit. That's our natural state. This is what we've naturally been, you know, here to do is access the sun. And if there's anything that could be a, I guess, point to the existence of of a physical God, I would think it's the sun just because it gives life to the whole planet and everything would die without it. I don't care what anybody says, <laughs> but um, let me see this. Breath work is key. I say breath work in the sunlight and put the phone down. That, that's just my simple ones, man. But in terms of something that I want to elaborate, I want to give you guys, give your listeners something to chew on. Um, I've been kind of developing a tel tel telepathic protocol for the past three years. And I feel like, um, you know, we're going to be presenting it in a very uh, methodical manner. I'm actually interested in, in maybe doing some work with the Johns Hopkins guys on, on presenting this. Um, kind of premature though. But anyways, the way that you develop uh, tele telepathic ability is by developing the ability to influence your autonomic nervous system. The easiest way to develop control of your autonomic nervous system is to get into altered states and visualize. You could do this either via a self-hypnosis on YouTube. You could do this uh, maybe by doing 15 minutes of the Wim Hof method, which you can find on YouTube. Uh, there's different sort of meditative uh, guided meditations that you can access for free on YouTube. What you want to do is when you're in this deeply relaxed state, but you're still awake, you want to visualize either your right hand or your left hand getting warm or cold. You know, there's zillions of studies showing that this is already a thing. This is already, so you don't have to question whether this is a thing, okay? That's why we're presenting it in four steps. Influence autonomic nervous system. What you're going to do is you're going to, once you're successful with warming or cooling your hand, you're going to be able to feel it physically. And then you could actually touch it with the other extremity, the other hand, to verify that, um, you know, the warmth of the coldness has, has transpired. And if you really want, if you're really crazy about it, then you can get like a little infrared thermometer and have a friend monitor you, but that takes another person. And we're talking about crazy things, so we tend to want to keep this private. So remember, trance state, influence, temperature of the hand. And then what you're going to do is after you influence, you're able to influence temperature of the hand, might take you, some people can get it on the first shot within 20 minutes, some people can get it within three days, some people take three weeks. But generally speaking, 90% of the people will get it within three weeks, autonomic nervous system control. They'll be able to prove to themselves that they can do it. Once you go ahead and prove to yourself that you have this ability, then guess what? The only thing you have to do is extend it six inches past your hand. Extend your visualization past the physical, slowly, right? So what you wanna do is extend your visualization from your hand out into your other hand. 
Some people will call it you're making an energy ball. It doesn't really matter to me. What you want to do is prove that you can influence the signaling that we believe is taking place over the nervous system. I believe that there, it is taking place over the nervous system, but there is a layer that extends past the nervous system, right? So extend the visualization past, past your hand into your other hand and see if you can feel the sensation of a tingling, electrical tingling in your, uh, in your other hand. And at that point, you know that your intent can extend past your body. And then for the, for the second part, you're going to need a partner, girlfriend, boyfriend, parent, somebody who's slightly open to this, okay? Just slightly open. They don't have to be in a meditative state even. But what you want them to do is sit across from you, let's say four feet, just uh, low light conditions because you don't want too much excitation you want to stay in a trance state this is key when people ask me well how come it didn't work or you know what happened it's like well you have to stay in a trance state you know i work with hypnotherapists all across the world in terms of teaching this because they know how to induce trance states so this makes it really easy so their their biggest thing when i uh, go through this protocol with them is like what else is there this is too easy so basically what i said is you sit across from somebody four to five feet away and you take that visualization from your hand and you visualize that extending to there in the middle of their head, whether it be their third eye, the middle of their brain, whatever it is, just that general area. And what will happen is that if you made a connection, they will go into rapid eye movement. So you want them to have their eyes closed and you'll see that their eyes start to twitch just in the slightest. And that is an indicator that you have influenced their consciousness. So basically, you're in a trance state, and you have induced a trance state into them. And you have induced what I believe to be a coupling. And that coupling overlays with this thing called um, inductive charging, which is wireless charging. And the way that wireless charging works is uh, it's, two, it's a magnetic field that basically couples with another one, and that's how the charging signaling takes place. And that's exactly what I believe is taking place to a certain extent with telepathy. So what happens is other person goes into rapid eye movement, shows you that you've made the connection. Over that visualization, whether it be an electric bolt or a white light or any colored light, doesn't matter. You go ahead and as vivid as you can, let me repeat that, as vividly as you can, you slowly uh, take the object, let's say it's a red apple, and you put it from your mind into their mind, slowly and vividly as possible, as vivid as possible. And as long as you can uh, maintain their rapid eye uh, movement and you visualize that as vividly as possible, you might be surprised at the results. So that, that's basically the gist. It's a four-step uh, protocol to develop uh, tele, tele, telepathic abilities. It's uh, something that we plan to unveil this year. It's nothing new. Um, you know, part of me is excited about it, but other part is I'm more interested in the health stuff. But this stuff has been, like I said, Hans Berger devised the EEG just to study this back in the 1920s. So it's not a new ability. It's just we have to reintroduce this ability uh, to modern humanity. And I think that this might help in that manner, because at this point, when it comes to the telepathic conversation, a lot of people seem to be lost. They don't know where to start at. So does any of this make sense? Yeah, man, 100%. That's exciting stuff. Well, you know, when I was doing research back in the day, I read a book by Upton Sinclair called Mental Radio. And uh, you can look at also um, 
the men who stare at goats movie. And it says at the beginning, more of this is real than you'd believe. And in my own research, everything in that movie happened. I've found research in other than I don't know if somebody stopped a goat's heart, but all the other stuff I've heard about and read about. And um, what was I going to say? Oh yeah. It's really interesting to, to try to bring science to this because once it becomes provable, it's just like, this is a skill that can be developed. You know, this is something that can be shared. Exactly. And like for me, the most important thing is this, look, communication takes place through the voice, emails, text, whatever. So telepathic uh, communication isn't necessarily that important from a functional perspective, but from understanding the human perspective, things like reincarnation, things like consciousness, telepathy, ha it has to start as telepathy. You have to know that consciousness is not relegated to the brain 100% of the time. However, I do think in the stress state, absolutely, your consciousness is relegated to your neural pathways. But like I said, you get into the trance state, you get out of that panic sort of mentality, and then you can access a deeper level of consciousness that, you know, it's been around forever, but we're just starting to understand it in modern terms. So I think that's, uh, that, that's, that's what excites me is validating the University of Virginia, their reincarnation studies, uh, validating, you know, the out-of-body experiences that so many people have, uh, validating spontaneous remission that Joe Dispenza is, you know, inducing in people on a regular basis. All this stuff is happening right now. And, you know, we need a catalyst to kind of uh, push it forward in terms of acknowledging that, yes, this stuff is real because we have indeed proven that consciousness is not always relegated to the brain. That makes sense? A hundred percent, man. I totally dig it. And, and I agree with that. You know, we were scientifically uh, pushing the boundaries, you know, when hypnotism came out and they were using it in World War II because it ran out of morphine. That was just something that happened as a result of the environment. And then it's like, oh man, this works. What is the limit to this? And it's very important stuff because in my research, I believe that a lot of this stuff is used in a negative manner. And I do believe that they use social conditioning, hypnosis, um, like Kanye's new song or whatever one with little pump is, uh, what is the lyric? You've listened to it. It's a, uh, it's, it's a uh, use a effing hoe. I love it. Yeah. Just repeated. Now how hypnosis works is you repeat. That's one way to get into the subconscious mind. Just repeat it. Why mm -hmm. is that on? Why is that mainstream music to yeah. millions of young people? What the flying F bomb is happening. This is deliberate. This isn't by accident. And yeah. so our edge, when I went down, this is like, they got education, they have every institution, they have, and it's all money and keeping us at a, at a level of consciousness to make us believe that we are goldfish. You're not a goldfish, you are a dolphin, you have incredible abilities, and you're connected to the entire ocean, spirit, nature, force, and you can change your conditioning, you just have to have the courage to start taking different actions. So one of my suggestions is to just take more action than thinking. I don't care if it's a judge, just take one thing and just start doing actions. You're not what you think, you're what you do. So see what, what one action you can do this week that you haven't done last week. Even driving a new way to work counts. Doing jogging counts. Just doing breath work counts. Um, doing a few minutes of art counts. Just do one thing different to change your direct trajectory. Direction. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you know, in one of the chapters of my book, I delve into the mechanics of brainwashing, um, you know, because we can brainwash ourselves in a positive manner, right? Or, you know, if you get involved with the wrong people, you can get brainwashed in a negative manner. And that's kind of not the scary thing, but 
you see a lot of these things happen in society in a subtle manner, right? It's not outright like, hey, we're brainwashing you, but there are so many subtle things where it's like, hey, this is getting into my consciousness somehow. I need to turn this off. Like, I'm aware of that now. I wasn't aware of that before. And I feel bad for people that aren't aware of it because they get sucked into it and they don't realize that's what's making them feel maybe inferior and not being the best version of themselves is they get caught they get caught up in the media hype and you know the propaganda and you know the ways to go ahead and implant thoughts into your mind that aren't even your own so it's you know basically to tie in the whole conversation we've been talking about how to break that programming how to be cognizant of when somebody's trying to program you in a manner that you don't want to be, you know, because this is this is the concept of free will. We do have free will, but in a lot of cases, people don't exercise it because they're not aware of the tools that are utilized outside of them to kind of program them in subtle ways. So, it's uh, it's an important conversation to have, and I hope you know people can understand that. You know, I'm we're trying to bring it from from a positive place and just trying to help others, man. Yeah, exactly. And if people are interested, check out the work of uh, the the documentary Century of Self about Edward Bernays and check out the work of Darren Brown. And so part of the realization is you are being influenced in a negative capacity. It's a bit it's a bit of a bummer. um, But when you understand how it works, um, you know, there's a really great movie too. uh, They live you ever see that? And uh, yeah, it's where yeah, yeah. He puts on the glasses and they're, they're all these skulls and whatever. But, you know, this, he lo- there's a scene where he looks at the billboard and one of the conditions is work 40 hours, drink alcohol. You were not good enough. When you study hypnosis, you need to know what your underlying object- objective is. What do you want them to do? And what people aren't recognizing is that a lot of the stuff is masked and then they have this seeding thing. So one example that I give is that um, it's not just CSI on television. It is a massive genre that's deliberate of murder shows. Yeah. The show is about murder. That's what m- most people are watching. Then you have reality TV, which is complete nonsense. And it's watching other people's lives. That's ridiculous. And so we don't have like role models. We, you know, where is Bruce Lee? Where is Jesus Christ? Where, where are all these role models? And in in Buddhism, they call positive mental or just mental nutrients. They can be positive or negative. And so you keep filling your consciousness with this stuff. Your body also emotes. That's another thing that I like to make very clear is that a a terrible example. And I apologize for, oh, actually, no, we'll do the nice example. Um, Let's just say you, you got like, you're, you're at home and you're one of your friends or somebody comes over with 12 kittens and they're new and you get to play with them and you can kind of like feel their little soft ears and they're little and they're, they're coming over and then you got 12 puppies and you get to play with the little puppies and pet them. It feels really nice. And you can kind of feel that experience. But if I take one of those kittens, right. And I like, and I'm just do this brief. It won't be as intense, but I chop off its head and you're like, Oh my God. Now, usually when I do this example, I get the person and I say, did you have a childhood animal? And then I draw it out really slow. And they're just like, why are you doing that to me? Like, oh my God. And it's like, it's just to teach you that in order for you to make sense of what I'm saying to you, you have to experience it. You are emoting an energy. Your body is reacting to me just saying words. So what do you think is happening when you're watching all of this stuff and then you start becoming desensitized? 
And so that's why it's really, really important to understand what you're taking in. And that's the example I like. Absolutely, man. That that's a really good example. It's brutal, though. But it's, <laughs> it's brutal. I'm trying to be the nice one, you know. It's like, I gotta, no, that, I gotta get one that's softer, but it really hits home, you know. It's just so terrible. Yeah, I mean, it's a really good example, and it's 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 happening so much, and it's so subtle, man. And it's, uh, but it is what it is. So I, I think that at some point, you know, it's just, it's all about creating a, a new paradigm based on what we can do to help each other, and that's what this game is about. So. That's why I'm just, you know, I'm happy to connect with you. And, and I'm, I just looked at your YouTube channel. I feel like I'm going to have a lot of stuff to watch over the next couple of weeks, man. So I'm excited uh, to connect with you, Matt. And I'm, I'm just real proud of, of all the work you've done so far. And hopefully in the future, when we unveil the telepathy thing, you can have me back on, man. Oh, yeah, I'd love that. And uh, I'll just say real briefly that uh, I actually submitted a board game to Mattel and Bradley, that was a telepathy board game like 12 years ago. Wow. And so now I'm going to, and it was basically to practice telepathy to encourage kids. And so now that I'm having the idea, um, if there's anybody out there that can help me make this come to fruition, I still have the plans. I was like, man, I should just put that out there because the idea is, is to teach it to kids, make it super fun. And the protocol is super simple, but it's to say, hey, you influence. And I would do this as a teenager and like there were several times where like I would guess the card correct and it blew my mind. I was like, Holy crap. But sometimes it would be like a nine. It'd be nine of hearts to get nine of spades. Um, yeah. But then I'll get my friends to do it. And, and then we would just try. It's like, who cares if we get it wrong? We try for it. They would get it at like number six. It's a one in 52 chance. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they, and so it just shows like, Oh crap. Like, do we have this ability? And so that's what it's saying is like, we are greater than we imagine. It's not, you know, it's like um, kind of you, you touched the nail on the head. It's more about health and empowerment, but it's also to say, hey, this is how powerful you are. You do have access to this. So this lower level stuff shouldn't apply. Yeah. I mean, the great thing too about a board game like that is that you can't really access these abilities without being connected with oneself to a certain extent. So you're almost kind of like forcing somebody or tricking somebody into reconnecting with the self in a way that they're going to see benefits and they're not even going to realize why those things, those benefits, why they feel happier, why they feel more content in the days and weeks after they keep playing the game, you know? So I think that's, that's just like there's, you know, programming from the negative side. There's also little things that we could do to help from the positive side to help people reconnect with themselves without, you know, being so stringent about it, you know, like creating a game, like you said, it would be a great idea. hundred percent, man. Well, I appreciate you and your work uh, for coming on. Thank you so much for the kind words. I appreciate that. And um, where can people uh, find more about you and any closing uh, statements before we, anything you want to leave the listeners with? Yeah, man. So questions for the Lion's Hammer 1 and 2 right there. Uh, you could find it on Amazon. Uh, the website is Q, uh, the letter Q, the number 4, LT.com, questions for the Lion's Hammer, uh, com. Actually, most, most if not all my ch chapters in my books are on the, the blog for free because I'm all about easy access to information. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, you could check it out. You don't have to pay for it. Uh, you could email me at q4lt00 at gmail.com if you have any questions or if you have any feedback in regards to the, the telepathy training. Just let me know. I'm always open to go ahead and discuss anything with you guys. So uh, that's pretty much it, man. I just, um, I'm excited to have been on your show and I look forward to digging through your whole YouTube channel now. Awesome, man. Well, it's a privilege to be connected. Thank you so much for your work and coming on and sharing, man. 
All right. Thanks so much, man. See you later. Thanks, guys, for watching. Peace. All right, guys. I hope that you enjoyed that incredible episode with John Chavez. We definitely covered a lot of information. Um, if you liked it, please take screenshots, share it, share it on Facebook and all around. Really does help get the word out there, and it's super, super appreciated. If you guys want to dive deeper with me in a coaching, speaking, or training uh, type of scenario, hit me up at matt at zenathlete.com. Make an inquiry. I'm super happy to train you, train your staff, um, and do some one on one coaching depending on what your goals are. Um, looking to work with more incredible people in 2019 and uh, excited to just build with you. So if you're interested in that, matt at zenathlete.com or mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. Um, I think that's it. We'll keep it nice and simple. I want to thank all my supporters, everyone who shared a podcast, who's left a review, who's contributed on Patreon. It helps immensely for me to keep this going. Um, I'm doing what I can to build and create as many episodes um, as I can while, while living in the world that requires certain things of you. So um, your support really does make a difference and it goes a long way. So I appreciate you for that. So let's just end this by coming to a state of peace and coherence. So wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing, taking a deep breath in through your nose, hold that breath and just let it out slowly, feeling totally at peace, totally calm, totally empowered and ready to take on the rest of the day. Have an incredible day and I'll see you in the next episode.